0: I don't know who has access to this. Every law enforcement team can look up any one of us. Everything that we've ever done, they can look up every place we've ever been.
1: So I'm sitting in there on my very first day all by myself and I hear some noises. I look at the cameras and the elevators are just operating on their own. They're moving from floor to floor. The doors are
2: opening and closing. Kind of a creepy experience. Thing is, there's no government. They still haven't figured out who assassinated the president. There's no police force strong enough to deal with these gangs. You're
3: listening to Pod Sui. the week's top stories served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Turmoil in Haiti continues. 17 missionaries were kidnapped by a gang asking for a $1 million ransom per hostage, including five people from the west side of the state. Mitch Album was in the country when the kidnappings took place.
2: Ironically, uh, I was with some friends we have in Haiti, and one of them is with the World Health Organization. And uh, we were sitting around, and suddenly her phone starts to go off, uh, and she's getting WhatsApp messages from people inside that bus Mm. of the people as they were being kidnapped. Somebody had a phone and started sending out messages saying, there's people around us, they have guns, they're trying to kidnap us, please help us, you know, set the word out. I think that's one of the reasons that this story got out the way that it did because obviously if they reached if they reached her and you know uh, literally i was watching it happen in real time on a, you know hearing a, about it in these messages and i'm sure they got a hold of a lot of other people too and and it's just awful uh and it's something that we live with all the time on all of our trips down to haiti but when they're kidnapping people who are working at orphanages and missions and going down to help poor children you really know that there's no bottom to this you know there's nobody that they won't harm or or hurt or try to you know kidnap to make money
0: mitch obviously the work you've done uh with the orphanage uh, is legendary um i know you enjoy it um uh it's amazing uh what you've been able to do is it getting to a point and i know it pains you Uh, but with the lawlessness, the out-and-out lawlessness going on in Haiti, that maybe it's getting to a point where you got
3: to wait to go back over there uh, for your own safety.
2: Well, maybe this is stupid, but not for me. Uh, Not for my wife, Janine, either. I mean, those are our children, in our view. You know, there's 53 kids that we're raising there, and I'm sure the people from that orphanage outside of Port-au-Prince felt the same way, although I know some of them were on their first trip there. You can't abandon these children. You can't say, well, it's not safe enough for us to be there, but it's okay for them to be there. Uh, remember, it's not just kidnapping on the streets. In that same area, Port-au-Bouquet, where they just took that bus uh, a few months ago, they scaled the walls of an orphanage and killed people uh, the security guard uh nearly killed the director paralyzed him for life raped three of the girls uh and and stole everything so i can't not be there and i'm sure a lot of other people who work in haiti feel the same way i'm not going to abandon our children so if anything I, i hated the fact that i had to come home today i i have obligations that i have to do that that uh don't allow me to stay but I think it probably strengthens the resolve. You just have to be extremely, extremely careful, and you know we try to be.
5: What is the government doing about that, Mitch, Down there? <laughs> hmm. Kenny, what government? That's an
2: American question. All right, that's an absolutely logical American response, and I would say the same thing. Thing is, there's no government. You know, they still haven't figured out. Still haven't figured out who assassinated the president okay they have no president they have an acting one they don't know when they're going to have the elections. there is no police force strong enough to deal with these gangs uh i mean these guys i want you to understand these gangs are not you know this isn't don corleone and his group these are ragtag guys with with wearing women's hats to disguise themselves and hiding their guns under their shirts. you know it's just that there's no police presence. There's not enough police. And, and when the police go out there, they're, they're, they're overmatched because they're not given the arms or the material or the money. And they're overworked and they're, and they're abandoned. Some of the police have turned to the gangs. The, the most notorious gang leader in Haiti is a former police officer. And so people don't know who to trust. So when you say, well, what's the government doing about it? A, there's no government. B, normally, what this is, this is why when we talk about, you know, getting rid of the police, this is what a society looks like when there's no police people just take matters into their own hands completely and there's just the police forces is, is decimated there's not enough of them uh, they don't have the same weapons they're not funded and so the gangs are are stronger than them but having said that there's no reason that that has to be if the international community would come in and help if the united states would come in and help it wouldn't take much to put these gangs right back where, where they belong. They're, they're, they're ragtag guys, you know, who have just have the weapons and things that they have, they've taken from the police force. But because there isn't any of that, the poor people of Haiti, and I want to emphasize that the poor people of Haiti to be worried about, not those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to afford an airplane ticket to get out, but they're not just kidnapping missionaries and, and, and orphanage people or Americans or white people that they see through the windows of a car. They're they're kidnapping street vendors who who make, you know, ten dollars a day and they're telling them, you know, go sell your refrigerator or sell your television set or we're not gonna Jeez. let you go. They're kidnapping students off the street. They're kidnapping anybody for ten bucks. It's it's that kind of lawlessness. And so it's it's extremely dangerous, but it's also tragic that, that a country has to dissolve into something like this.
3: Mitch, is there is there one main group primarily responsible for the kidnappings, or is it just a, sort of an
2: anarchy situation where it's coming from all directions? So in other words, there's not one group you can appease, and then you'll be okay, right? There, there, there's, there's this one group led by this guy, I may be <laughs> butchering his name, but Barbecue Chazier, or Chazier and, and he's... He leads one big major group. This group that did this is is called four hundred Mawazo, I think, or, or something close to that. It's it's more regional, Kevin. They they take over an area, usually a very poor area, and they come to dominate it. And and people you know, it's a little bit like the mob, you know, that the the, the citizens go, Well at least we see these guys, you know, and and uh, they're around, and maybe they protect us if we do what they say, or we give them money. It's more than the police do in these neighborhoods. So places like uh, Port-au-Bouquet or, or Cite Soleil is another city, There, there's no police presence there. That's the place where I think I, I remember I told the story about the police got, like, this tank, and they went into the town, and they dug a hole, and and all the all poli- all the all the citizens said, oh, the gangs are around there, they're around there, and they tr- let them right into a trap, and the, the tank, like... Uh, fell into a hole, and then the gang seized it, you know, and I think they sold it back to the police later, you know, weeks later after they rode around it for a while. Wow. So it's 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 not like what we can imagine. Uh, but, you know, this isn't, in the end of the day, it's not, it's not a story to be told with, like, wow, <laughs> what foreign, colorful intrigue. It's tragic. Those people are shaking in their skin right now, I'm sure. They're wondering if they're going to be, you know, killed, uh, uh, and what's it going to take, and how much money is it going to take? So, um, you know, I feel for them, and it could it could be us at any moment, you know, uh, and and believe me, that's something that we think about all the time.
4: Back in 2020, Michigan State Police began using software marketed by a company called Shadow Dragon that gathers data from people's social media accounts as well as select online transactions dating back to 2011. The use of the software is raising concerns with civil liberties activists and lawmakers one of which is State Senator Jim Runstead, and he shares those concerns with Chris Renwick.
0: This is just a continuation of my concerns about are the protections in place for people's privacy with this uh, shadow dragon it sucks up all the data over 150 networks 1500 pivot points basically any social area you go on the internet it is able to vacuum up that information Um, and then goes back all the way to uh, 2011 if you deleted something off your facebook account whatever it is they're able to access keep track of all that in a big aggregated way so they can also track your uh, your movements Uh, it's it's very very intrusive in terms of how they put a a total system together to track every single thing about a person now to have this uh, done by a, a local private company would be expensive and i don't know what the value of it would be for them but for law enforcement It could have a a good criminal um, application if it were highly protective. But the idea that, uh, I don't know who has access to this, every law enforcement can can look up any one of us. Everything that we've ever done, they can look up. Every place we've ever been, they can look up. Uh, This sounds very, very intrusive. And uh, Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court has ruled that uh, back in the, uh, uh, the cell phone record case, Uh, they ruled that a warrant has to be obtained when citizens have a reasonable expectation of privacy in their physical movements and that expectation was violated by a detailed encyclopedic and effortless compiled data obtained through uh, this kind of information so it sounds to me like this does need a warrant uh, certainly needs a lot of protection and i haven't heard anything from the state police Uh, talking about what protections are in place. So I will certainly be asking that in the approach committee. Uh, We uh, do the funding for the state police. So I'll have a lot of questions.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, I think a lot of people will say, uh, you know, me included, uh, as somebody who doesn't have anything to hide, unless the Michigan State Police, uh, want to track, uh, my viewing habits in, in terms of, uh, trying to figure out, uh, the, you know, statistical averages of, of Kenneth Walker's runs during his time at, uh, at Wake Forest, as opposed to how he's been able to turn it on at Michigan State. Uh, God bless. But at the same time, I think that it, it, these types of, technologies can be useful uh when they are tracking criminals in terms of uh i know that you know one of the things that they'll track is like for example bank robberies and and where were they buying the equipment to uh to you know for the stick up or or um you know tracking criminals in their movements and 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 perhaps leading them to other criminal cells and so i think there are some some benefits here but is it just the fact that we don't know enough about it yet is is that where the uncertainty lies
0: it is, because if there's a, a criminal uh, application, I'm all for it. Today, you can pick up a phone, you can get a warrant uh, with a judge on, uh, Sunday night uh, if you want to. It's not difficult to get a warrant. So that should not be a problem. But I remember back when the uh, the uh, license plate readers were a, a big issue and police departments could drive around and read license plates and the mayor in this town uh angered some of the local police union and so they followed him around with uh with license plate readers to, to map out everywhere he went well who wants this you know who who uh who wants this to be for something any place where they can uh you know attach something to him um that's not the purpose of law enforcement. It is to capture these bad actors, these bad players, these criminals. I'm 100 percent for that. But we have to make sure that we're protecting the privacy rights of the citizenry at the same time.
4: A number of local chambers of commerce have band together to implore President Biden to rethink his vaccine mandate. The group calls themselves Listen to Michigan Businesses, and Rich Studley, president and CEO of the Michigan Chamber of Commerce, heads up the group, and he talks to Guy Gordon.
5: We would respectfully ask the president to reconsider, uh, to take this important rulemaking process through the traditional process where there are public hearings, where employees and employers across the state and across the country have the opportunity for input. The practical problem here is that not all states are alike. Not all employers are alike, even within Michigan. We have a very large and diverse business community. Manufacturing is different than retailing. Retailing is different than the construction industry. We would ask the president to slow down. We're also asking Governor Whitmer uh, to provide clear direction to the Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity. We are what is called a state plan state. That means that the federal government requires that my OSHA, our state, occupational safety and health plan be at least as effective. We're concerned that the administration may decide on its own, without public hearing, without input, to look at the new federal rule and decide to be even more stringent, uh, which would be difficult and time-consuming and potentially divisive within the workplace and counterproductive.
0: During the original, I believe that it was September 8th that the the Biden administration uh, made this announcement that they were going to seek this uh, vaccine mandate with the the testing alternative. Uh, There there were some in the business community that, that welcomed it because they said it gave them the cover they needed to do what they wanted to do, which was to have a vaccine mandate in their workplace. Is is this a, a you know one of those circumstances where there some are welcoming it and others aren't and and they they just don't want the edict? Where is the bu- business community on this right now?
5: If there is a consensus in the business community, it is to continue to work with employees and customers to make sure that our workplace is safe. Michigan is different than other states. The facts and figures we have from state government here in Michigan show that the workplace has not been a significant or major source of outbreaks. Most Mm -hmm. outbreaks in Michigan continue to uh, result from senior citizen or assisted living centers or uh, young people who are not in, in the workplace. And so that's why we were joined by the Battle Creek Chamber, the Grand Rapids Chamber, the Lansing Chamber, the Northern Michigan Chamber Alliance, the Petoskey Chamber, and Traverse City Chamber, all saying, let's hit the pause button here and make sure that what we do is effective There's a big concern about a negative impact on talent, that people will quit rather than uh, be forced to take a vaccine. We want to be respectful of those who have not yet chosen to use safe and effective vaccines. But we're asking the governor and the president to listen to Michigan businesses. That's why we have formed this coalition to educate Mm -hmm. and inform employees and employers about how we can have a positive impact on the process. Lawsuits are being threatened. We're not there yet. Uh, We want to try to work with the president and the governor to have a a reasonable, flexible, effective plan uh, to continue the fight against COVID.
4: With Halloween right around the corner, how about a ghost story? The Whitney has a reputation of being one of the finest restaurants in the area, as well as the most haunted. Dave Dewey, director of operations at the Whitney, tells the tales to kevin deets david whitney died in the home and in those
1: days uh, you typically were uh, laid in state right inside the home so you know david whitney himself passed away and um, had his memorial service and his uh, funeral and was was displayed right there in the in the front hallway in the in the uh, receiving room so it kind of begins there but there's been a fair amount of death in the house of various different kinds michigan visiting nurses Association, um, welcomed in some uh, homeless Detroiters to kind of have a little dignity at the end of their lives. Uh, just it's it's one of these places where uh, I think the legends uh, outpace the reality. But what ends up happening is that people have experiences there that they can't explain. Uh, we have a, a very serious uh, group called Ghost Haunt of Michigan who come in and they are able to record things as strong as voices and visions um, when they're in the process of giving paranormal tours. And then we have a lot of guests that have really unique experiences. You personally, I can tell you that I came aboard at the Whitney a little over 10 years ago, and the Whitney is full of staircases, and there's, you know, 27 rooms, and trying to get your arms around working in a restaurant like that was, in, was automatically difficult but I do have a TV screen in my office with 25 different cameras, so I'm sitting in there on my very first day all by myself, and I hear some noises. I look at the cameras, and the elevators are just operating on their own. They're moving from floor to floor. The doors are opening and closing. Kind of a creepy experience. Then we, we fast forward to about four years ago. Uh, the Ghost Hunters TV show came out and did a little bit of research and put us on television, and they checked into the elevators and said, no, 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 it's just a mechanical failure. Um, Then three years ago, we had kind of a catastrophic flood in the basement of the Whitney. All of the elevator had to be replaced, 100% of its um, core of the mechanics. All those had to be replaced. And wouldn't you know it, the elevators continue to run on their own and move from (laughs) floor to floor with nobody in it. So you, you take from that what you'd like to. Um, but there are an awful lot of guests who come in and have um, very interesting experiences and, and we kind of welcome that. We, we're not going to make judgments on what's going on and what's not going on. What we're going to say is come on in and, and enjoy the entire experience.
3: I've seen a lot of selfies of people having dinner at the Whitney where there seems to be some sort of object somewhere in the background behind them. I know my daughters when, when I take them, they will not go to the to the restroom by themselves. They go in pairs. They do not want to uh, bump into uh, anyone uh, who's uh, not uh, among the living anymore uh, on their on their trips to the restrooms. It, it really becomes uh, a, a lot of fun uh, as part of the whole dining experience.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the the real interesting things are when you come in for some of the events and things that we do and you get an opportunity to go into the Carriage House, which is the the building behind the Whitney called the Carriage House because it was where the carriages used to be stored back in the horse and buggy days. And there is a a table uh, on the second floor of the Carriage House where, again, this is the legend, but the kids used to play there, the family. There's when I arrived in the restaurant 12 years ago, there was a table and a tea set that's been set up sort of in honorarium to the Whitney children that we've never touched, never moved. um, And it's a spot where our ghost hunters continue to find an awful lot of paranormal experiences. Uh, We even go so far as to have one lady during a paranormal tour who um, absolutely went into a panic saying that she was touched on the back of her neck, and she was a skeptic before. Uh, But when they end up running out of the carriage house screaming, you know that there's something going on there that is a little bit
4: unexplainable. The 7-0 Michigan State Spartans are coming off a bye week before their big showdown in East Lansing against the University of Michigan on October 30th or as Coach Mel Tucker calls them. Yeah, we'll do what we have to do to get ready for, for uh, the school down the road. It's going to be this week. It's going to be a big <laughs> week of just focus on us and improvement, and then uh, then we'll turn our attention to, to uh, the school down the road. I think both teams will be ready. That'll do it for Pod PodSui this week. For full podcasts or anything else you might have missed, go to thegreatvoice.com. See you next time.